Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. everyone welcome to marriage and martinis this is danielle and danielle only today i'm sorry um but this episode was really really special to record it is the fourth episode in our series about pregnancy and expanding your family and um you know all of the elements that go into the process that we are really just beginning to talk really openly and honestly about as a society. And I do think we're making progress, but at the same time, man, it's been a struggle to get here for so many who um, have felt like it's not something we're supposed to talk about. And so today's episode is really, really raw. Um, extremely honest and I really think a very beautiful conversation and I'm so lucky to have a friend like Liz who was willing to come on and talk so honestly and openly about her story in such a completely um, just real and honest and heartfelt way there is a lot of trigger warnings that I want to put out there we talk a lot about pregnancy complications, uh, stillbirth, postpartum depression. Um, there is a lot to unpack in this episode. However, it is really, really an amazing conversation. Uh, and I feel so truly blessed that I was able to sit down and have this open conversation with her. And I do think that it shows that we're making progress, right? We're able to just now hopefully have these conversations and that this vulnerability and honesty will be contagious and that it will allow others to step forward and do the same. So I hope you'll listen. Um, it was really, I learned so much as somebody who, um, you know, at 43 hasn't had a lot of these conversations and, and hasn't really realized how prevalent um, all of this is in our society and how many more women are going through it than we actually realize. So if you're going through any of, of these issues right now with expanding your family, um, I hope it will help you feel less alone. Uh, and we are all connected in some way, you know, in the fact that we, we have this shared journey and understanding, even though these journeys might look really different. Uh, and I want everyone to know that we are not alone and we, um, you know, we do have support. It's out there. And Liz has started uh, her own brand called Nourished Families and it's wonderful. And she is an amazing advocate and a postpartum doula. Go check her out at Nourished Families and also on Instagram at nourished fam and um i will be putting her in my stories she's truly wonderful uh, and she is somebody who i think you will see you can share anything with so please enjoy this episode again please uh if you are right now in a a state where maybe it's not the best time to listen to a story like liz's uh concerning postpartum and uh and pregnancy complications and stillbirth and all of these, um, you know, very sensitive issues, then, um, you know, maybe put off the episode until you're feeling a little stronger. But um, it is by all means a wonderful conversation. Um, and I'm really proud to be part of it. 
So thanks, thank you all for being here and allowing us to have these amazing, vulnerable conversations. I am so grateful. So hi, Liz. Hi, Danielle. <laughs> how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I am so happy you're here. I'm so excited to be here. A little important backstory because it is a very strange way that we came to really become friends. A thousand percent. So when I was in sixth grade, I was in Mrs. Lehman's class and yeah. Mrs. Lehman is your mom. A hundred percent. And she and I, I always had this like, I just loved her. I always oh just my God. felt like. You are the legendary Danielle Warren. The, Dan- the legendary. <laughs> um, I competed secretly with you for my mom's no, attention no, <laughs> when no. I was in sixth grade. No, 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 I really did. I loved her. She was awesome. And we stayed close. And I mean, I have letters like she wrote me like a letter in college that I still have somewhere. And um, so so then you started this social media account um, for your wonderful brand Nourished Families, because you're a doula and a lactation consultant and all these wonderful things. Um, And you and I just sort of like connected and became friends. Well, yeah, a thousand percent out of like, unfortunately, sheer desperation. I had no idea what I was doing and probably secretly decided to exploit the relationship you had with my mom (laughs) and DM'd you and said, help a sister out and then being the gracious amazing full of love human that you are you oh. helped me out and took me under your wing oh <laughs> well no it has been it's been really awesome and we I love that our um our like messages on our platforms are so similar even though we have such different you know content concentrations agreed and which is really awesome it's just like a place of support which is obviously why you're here because we that's really why we have everybody on marriage and martinis is because they're you know in some ways sharing and supporting and being vulnerable so I want to get a little bit of a backstory about um what you've been through in your own journey, because we have been doing the series on marriage and martinis about um, pregnancy loss and infertility and postpartum and all of the tribulations that so many of us go through to expand our family. So can you talk a little bit about your journey? Yeah. So, um, so I think the long and short of it is I am the mother of three children One of which I hold in my heart and two I hold in my arms every day. And um, the, you know, like, I don't know, quick version of it is um, my then husband and I decided that we wanted to become parents. And we have, and it was, we were not sure of whether or not it would be an easy road. We have a nephew who has a genetic disorder. We went through testing for a long time before deciding to get pregnant with the idea that like if we had a child that had the same genetic disorder, we were not going to be parents. When that all became clear, we decided to become parents and thankfully getting pregnant, super easy. It turns out in the long run, staying pregnant, not so much. So we got pregnant with our first and um, I was really, really, I had all the things. Like if there is a pregnancy mess box to check, I had it. I was sick on a on an easy day, eight times a day, on a hard day, like 13 to 16 times a day. It was crazy. I I just, I ha- everything was hard. It just was a lot harder than I realized. And I just kind of thought that like that's what pregnancy should be is hard. Is, you know, you're an alien condominium. You know, you're growing a human inside your body and that's bizarre and mm-hmm. weird. So of course you're going to feel bizarre and weird. So we went through a lot of different things. We had CVS testing, which if people don't know, is testing prior to the testing for Down syndrome and stuff like that. It's around, I believe, don't quote me, I think like somewhere between 15 and 20 weeks where they go in with a needle and test the amniotic fluid rather than just the testing of whether or not the back of someone's neck is thick and that's different stuff for Down's. He was fine. It didn't go easily, but I didn't know. He was fine. We were able to find out his gender before he knew his assigned gender and or his biological gender. And, you know, we went through all of it. And at 28 weeks, almost to the day, I started to feel not great. And um, 
I we through a lot of different series of events we ended up losing that child at 28 weeks and I had a stillbirth at 28 weeks which was devastating Mm -hmm. and awful and crazy and horrible and on June 26th of 2009 we gave birth to our first born son who was no longer living Sonny Andrew then we went on to have our daughter who is one of the humans that I hold in my arms uh, 13 months and three days later in the next two years we had two miscarriages and then in one last ditch effort because it was physiologically and emotionally really really trying we got pregnant sort of magically with our final child Sullivan um, who was born in 2013 and it was just sort of like you kind of don't know what you don't know until you're going through it until you're going through it Mm -hmm. and it's you know, we all just sort of take for granted that this is going to be easy and it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you're, you have, my God, you have been through it. I mean, there are, you know, and I think so many of us have these different stories and that's why it is so important to tell. And I'm, you know, so I really am so grateful to moms like you who, you know, are willing to talk about it. But there was part of me, I don't know about you, but because I had a really complicated uh, first pregnancy with Mia, with our daughter, um, where people know I had a terrible OCD. I moved out of my house with a- Adam. I moved in with my parents. They basically like nursed me back to health kind of. I mean, literally like my mom would sit in my bed all night long. And, and I, you know, is there part of you like for me who had a really difficult pregnancy, is there part of you that like mourns that you never had the pregnancy that some other people have. Like sometimes I'm like, you know, uh, I don't know that, that people had this really easy, beautiful pregnancy. And there's part of me that feels guilt for like not having loved being pregnant. That's a really phenomenal question. And quite frankly, not necessarily one I've really explored. Uh-huh. Um, I think the long, the easy answer to that is no, uh-huh. I didn't. I really didn't. You know, when I was pregnant with Sonny, our first child, um, I, so, God, that's a really good question. So I think that I had the advantage of my, in my former life, I was a behavioral therapist for children with autism, specifically in early intervention. So I was working with young children. I've always loved little tiny humans. So for me, going through the process of pregnancy, even before I knew it was going to be hard, was literally the vehicle to getting to be a mom. Right. I really didn't I what I don't I don't know if it was naive or at survival when I was in it it was hard. I can't speak to that. I should probably explore it in therapy. But my goal was to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And while I do think that the moment you decide, even if you haven't conceived, the moment you decide that's what you want, you really are a mom and there's stock to be put in that. I didn't have a lot of expectations or desire for the act of being pregnant. I wanted really very much to hold a little tiny human in mm-hmm. my arms, which I can say as a person who get, who had a stillbirth and miscarriages, that is what I carry the most guilt about more than anything. Because, And I still do 12 years later after giving birth to our first child, our first born child, um, is that maybe that sort of, I think, I don't feel like I should have liked it more. I think I should have attended to it more. I th- think I should have... The pregnancy. The pregnancy. I should have given it the importance and the nurturing and the love that it that is needed. And I, I think, and I've spoken to other women, I, I think as women, we don't give ourselves that, we don't see the gravitas in what it is to be pregnant and we don't allow ourselves to give into the pregnancy to give grace to the pregnancy we keep very much moving through our lives because we're expected to because we're a thousand percent expected to and you are building a human and there are 486 million things that need to go right and one little tiny thing can go wrong that takes it all away Mm -hmm. and I think that even now is what I carry the most, it's what I mourn, it's what I carry the most guilt and at times shame about is that with all five of my pregnancies, specifically my first one, 
where I think like I didn't stop moving enough and I didn't give this the attention that it needs and I didn't give it the value, really the value. But you know, I mean, uh, just like when I think about, you know, I I always did that for myself with my, with my miscarriage. What did I do? Did I put, you know, was my laptop too warm and I put it on my stomach? Was I, did I use something with wrong ingredients that I, I spent so much time, but yet we know, you know, it's not. I mean, I think I'm still, I think that, I think that miscarriage, which I've had too, is devastating and it's a lot of that. 100%. It's a lot of like, what are the little tiny missteps that I took? But we didn't. But we didn't. A thousand percent. And that's that's the problem is that that's what we need to know. You know, like, I wish somebody and I didn't have anybody to tell me that. Well, we make we set up we set up a paradigm where you don't have anyone to talk about it because you don't tell anybody that you're pregnant for 12 weeks, which is such crap. Yes. It's such bullshit. Because, A, you have the right to be excited the second you know within the first 12 weeks. And then when you're not excited, you have the right to lean on your community and find the support that you need. So miscarriage is super painful in that because it's shrouded in secrecy. And the act of secrecy puts blame and shame on something. Right. It is so strange to me that that the whole 12 weeks thing because crazy and like I wonder where that came from is that are you protecting all the people around you that like you don't want to upset them is it the shame of I don't want to tell like how did that even come to be it's so crazy global thought of that is medically speaking people know like medical doctors and whatever know that a lot can go wrong in the first 12 weeks that nothing is finite and permanent necessarily in the first 12 weeks so it's almost like a Oh, Kinahura, but superstition is the mm-hmm. non-Yiddish right, word for right. it. That like, don't tell anybody because that can be what makes it go wrong. Because no, And think about that. Think about if you just go into the getting pregnant with the understanding that medically speaking, this may not take. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you can tell people I'm pregnant, but let's wait and see. And right. everyone understands right. that it may not take. Yes. Imagine the shame and the liberties and the deep breath that we'd be granting everybody knowing that that's where it comes from that it may not take right and when I had my when I was pregnant with my first uh I'm sorry when I had my my miscarriage uh I hadn't told anybody I was pregnant but then I wound up telling everybody that I had lost the baby because I was just sort of like I had I just for me I needed to and I was sort of like why didn't I tell anybody and then obviously everybody has their you know their Everybody makes their own choices and whatever you're comfortable with. If you're comfortable telling people, if you're not, that's totally your call. Agreed. But for the next two, I was sort of like, yeah, I, I just told everybody. I was sort of like, and then if I have to tell everybody I'm not, then, you know, then I, I tell everybody I'm not. The Marriage and Martinis podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Adam and I are always so honest when people ask us, what is one thing that we've done that has absolutely changed the course of our relationship and made us grow so much and evolve as human beings? And I always say therapy. I'm telling you, it has been life changing. And I've been doing virtual therapy for around the last six months, and I absolutely love it. I don't think I'll ever go back to in-person therapy. I just feel like there's no reason to. And better help is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. One of the hardest things for me was finding the right therapist, someone who was compatible with my personality, somebody who I really felt like I could talk to. And BetterHelp is so good at matching people with the right therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want to if you feel like that one just isn't working for you. You can communicate in four different ways with your therapist. You can exchange messages, chat live, speak on the phone, or video conference anytime you need to. You deserve to be happy. You can sign up as an individual, you can go for couples counseling with BetterHelp, or you can find someone for your teen. And I have a teenager, and I know that this pandemic has been really, really hard, and BetterHelp is awesome in getting them through such a tough time. If you head to betterhelp.com slash martinis, you're going to get 10% off your first month. That's 
betterhelp.com slash martinis for 10% off your first month. BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash martinis. Want to know one of the coolest brands we've found that Adam absolutely loves? Ridge Wallet combines durability and practicality with style and amazing design. Their products are minimalist, but they're anything but limiting. Their famous wallets have a sleek card holder that expands to hold up to 12 IDs and credit cards with a money strap or clip so everything gets stored in one compact, organized place. The Ridge was built with the focus on design and functionality. It's a reimagination of what the modern wallet can be. Not to mention their products are so sleek and gorgeous. Every product Ridge Wallet Crafts is a gorgeous tool for better living. Check out Adam's other favorites like the weatherproof weekender bag, leather phone cases, and the commuter backpack. If you're traveling this summer or you have a teenager who's traveling and you're concerned about them keeping important things like money, credit cards, and IDs safe and organized while they're away, you definitely want to check out the Ridge. And now Ridge Wallet is giving Marriage and Martinis listeners 10% off your purchase when you use the promo code MARRIAGE. Head to Ridge.com, R-I-D-G-E.com to get 10% off some of the coolest gear for all of life's adventures and for a simpler everyday lifestyle. And think about, for the people that want to support you, like the amount of emotions that Nate, they need to go through. They have to first be excited to know that you were pregnant. And then right off of that, if you're not telling anyone prior to 12 weeks, they have to be sad with you and for you and for themselves. Like a lot of the people that we draw on for this support is family members or our closest people who are as excited to love the human you're about to bring in as you are. So they have to experience loss which makes them supporting you that much more awkward and difficult because they're going through some of the emotions that you're going through too. Like here's your best friend, your sister, your daughter, your niece, you know, your son, whatever, that was pregnant and now they've lost. So they're excited and then also disappointed. And it's hard to sift through their own emotions to be the support that you may need in that moment too. There's a lot of roadblocks we put in the way for the proper support and understanding that is needed to get through this crazy this crazy time this yeah really um this time that you just have no idea what's going to happen next I mean you're really an alien condominium there's this whole universe that's being built inside of you that you frankly have almost no control over Mm -hmm. there's like a whole ecosystem that's being built literally an ecosystem that's being built inside of you that is happening whether or not you're a part of it. Right. It's yeah. so true. It's so true. And all of the external, the things that you can control are the things that you kind of can't talk about, which is the stress and the all of that stuff, which has a really great effect on everything, mm-hmm. on everything, including your time postpartum as well. Right. Like it's really, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we do as women, we shoulder that silently alone with a lot of what ifs, guilt, shame, self-blame, so many things that mm-hmm. aren't necessary. Did it did it take a while after after the stillbirth after the stillbirth did did it take a while to be able to be open about it and talk about it because were you worried about people's reactions? And oh my god, take a while. <laughs> You know, I launched Nourished Families in, you know, July of 2019, 2020, I'm sorry, 2020. And in October of 2020 was the first time that my breathers, my two children that I hold in my arms, heard his name being spoken out loud. So, yeah, I would say 11 years was a really long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, people who are close to me in my life, my adult friends, my family, Absolutely. I was 28 weeks pregnant with him. So there's a 95% survival rate. Should I have given birth to him breathing that he would be here? So all of those people, all my whole life, my whole community knew that I was pregnant. You know, I was entering the third trimester, but my children 
that are here on this earth with me didn't know he was pregnant until I decided to, you know, do all the things I'm doing now. And I, and their dad and I decided to become public about it because I didn't want them to be listening to a podcast Mm -hmm. or on Instagram with friend with their moms in their community, you know, moms of their friends to hear about this person and them not know about it. It took a very long time and there were a lot of reasons behind it. My daughter who is here on this earth with me is 13 months and three days younger than him. And I had a deep seated concern that she would, and this is just my, it was literally my bullshit that I put on her that she would feel like a consolation prize because if he were here, she just wouldn't have been, you know, if he were here and healthy, he would have made it to, you know, three more months. Mm -hmm. So, she wouldn't have been born or she would have been born later or something else. So that was a big thing for me. And I mean, I just celebrated his 12th birthday, you know, a week ago, less than a week ago as we record this. And I still think about all the things that could have happened. You know, I had a conversation with my best friend where she brought up a memory that I had forgotten about, about calling her the night before saying that I wasn't feeling well. Mm -hmm. And you know, his birthday this year was a really hard one for me because I thought to myself, like, why didn't I do something then? Like, I didn't feel well. How did I not know? But you're pregnant and you're tired. Of course. A thousand percent. But isn't that the sick part that we think that to ourselves and that we're so quick to put our blame on ourselves rather than being like, like you said, we don't know. There's, it's a whole new thing that's happening and each pregnancy is different every different I mean honestly it's it is so hard what uh, what we put on ourselves and as as moms and it really it it's it's so upsetting to me especially like here you were going through what you were going through after and you felt like for so long you couldn't talk about it Uh, yeah I and there was a lot of components to not talking about it because when you make a child you decide to become pregnant generally, not always, but generally there's two people in, I mean, there's definitely two people, whether or not it's one that you decide together or you decide to part, there's two people who comes with it. In my situation, you know, my children's father and I made an active decision out of love to make our children. And he wasn't as comfortable talking about losing our child as I was. And it was important to me to respect his space and what felt okay with him and what felt right to him and what kept his son that he lost close to him so there was that piece with the competing idea of I have had the honor of speaking to close friends who have had stillbirths and I told them that my story so many times because I also from my perspective have a you know what is 99.9 percent of the time a very happy ending of two masks magnificent children Mm -hmm. who drive me equally as crazy and (laughs) give me so much joy Mm -hmm. that I can't imagine this life without them. They're to me exactly who should be on this planet, even though there's someone missing. And that's what I want to to share with women and families that are going through this, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and there's a place for both. There's a place for missing this human that you made and for also celebrating those you get to hold in your arms. Because I, that has been, that expression of holding one in my heart and two in my arms has been a conversation I've kept in my mind for a really long time. And it's been in the last year. It's been privately with close friends who have had stillbirths. But globally in the last year, something that I've been, you know, outwardly speaking about. And what happens to women and men Um, who have experienced stillbirth or infant loss. Not so much miscarriage, although I do think there is a place for it, but we give a different gravitas to stillbirth and infant loss, kind of as it should be. And also, I struggle in my own head, kind of now, as someone who's experienced two out of the three, kind of what we shouldn't, of like miscarriage. You know, I'm not saying the following thing I don't think I'm right on. It's just my perspective is every second you know your child, the loss is that much greater. So, you know, in a miscarriage situation, more often than not, you haven't gotten past like maybe 16, 18 weeks. 
and it's still developing and they're still happening. More often than not, it's 12 weeks. And with a stillbirth, it can be 20 weeks on. And then with an infant loss, like you actually saw that person Mm -hmm. breathe Mm -hmm. and they had a minute. I have no idea how the warrior families that get through it, losing a child older, I mean, you and I are mothers. We can't mm-hmm. even like put yeah. this out in the universe. Right. So, right. tut tut, done, right. done. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I do, when someone asks the question, like how many children do you have? It's a really, it, it was for many years a really hard question to answer. More than that, when you see on social media or whatever and you're on your friends' pages and you're scrolling and someone says like happy birthday to the person who made me a mother, that sentence for the last 12 years has crushed me. And really because it makes me feel guilty when it comes to my daughter who someone would look at and say that's the person who made you a mother. And I don't want her existence to be less than but I don't want his existence, Sonny's, to be bigger than. And like, where do you put that? How do you reconcile that? Mm-hmm. Where, Because she isn't the person who made me a mother. Mm-hmm. He's the person who made me a mother. I was a mom. I, know, I held him in my arms. I knew his personality different in utero than I knew hers and her brother's. I, he, he's a, he was a person. I changed his... You know, he had a diaper on when I met him. He was wearing clothes. He had hair. He had, he was a person. You know, Mm -hmm. he was almost two pounds. He was, you know, he's 1.9 pounds and 13 and a half inches long. Like, I know his birth stats. I know all of that stuff. And that's, that's sort of the hardest time. That's what I've had the hardest time over the last 12 years reconciling is where does this person fit and how does it affect the people that are here breathing with you. And how do you answer that question and not make someone do the sympathetic head nod, which is the worst, the sympathetic head tilt, you know, because it can be, his life to me should be celebrated. He gave me so many gifts. I had a lot of fears getting pregnant that everyone say you love this thing more than you've ever loved it in your entire life. Like when I was pregnant with Sonny, I thought, my God, what if I don't? Which also, by the way, happens. Like women give birth to children and they experience something and the bond isn't immediate. Oh, sure. And that's okay. Yeah. That's right. It takes a minute. There's a mourning process that goes along with being a mother. You have to say goodbye to a life that you once had and sign up for a 24-hour need machine. That's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And then I met him at 4 o'clock in the morning when he wasn't breathing any longer. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt that that was my kid. You could have put him in a sea of children, breathing or not, and I would have gone, oh, that, that one's mine. Mm-hmm. Like I would have been able to pick him out. So he gave me the gift, getting pregnant again, of knowing without a shadow of a doubt, this is what I wanted. And that's not something that most people get. Like, what an amazing gift right. to know that like this was the journey I was born to be on, to be, you know, a mom to these these three people but where do you put that because it does make people really uncomfortable really uncomfortable well yeah and it's just so interesting because here I am I'm 43 and you know I'm talking to you about this and you're you know you're so open about it which is so incredible because I know it's going to help so many women but also it's it's I say to myself like how could it be that I'm 43 and this is really one of the first stories I'm hearing about a stillbirth? Which is crazy. Which is crazy because, you know, uh, in the back of my mind, I say to myself, I, it, so many more women must experience it than we even realize because, you know, you think to yourself in the back, oh, that's, this is, stillbirth is something that happened, you know, in the 1800s. Not it's even something, close. But, but I think as if a society, because. If you know brilliant women, you know someone who had a stillbirth. Right. It's crazy. And, and that's that's the part that is so hard to to, you know, come to terms with is that there are so many women who feel like they can't talk about it. A thousand percent. Yeah. And, and it feels wrong to talk about. And it feels, you know, like you're, you're talking about something that um, is going to make other, like you said, other people uncomfortable. And I mean, the, you're and speaking the into existence somebody's worst fear. Mm. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing. You know, you're saying, you know. You can't, if you run into a pregnant woman and you have your one, you know, your two month old and your 
two-year-old or whatever you may have, and somehow they say something, and you ask, how many children do you have? You can't say to that woman who's pregnant, well, I have three, but I lost the first one. Mm. Because it's hard enough being pregnant. Yeah. And you just literally spoke into existence the thing that she's already worrying about. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent. Right. And, but why? Yeah, there, no, there are so, I know. Because you're know. already worrying about it, so why? Right. You know, because why isn't it that? And the woman has been through it, and it, it was probably immensely hard, but she's here, and she's, she's here. talking about it, and she's, you know, you, there's, there's, uh, you get you get this sense of, um, you know, that we can all help lift each other up and yeah. help each other. And you can also, like, you know, we say the expression cautionary tale as if it has negative connotations, but how about educated tale? Mm. How about, this is the education. This is, like, let me tell you about my son because I did almost everything right, but maybe I could have done these couple things, right? Because the thing... The guilt that I will never, I, and listen, I go to therapy. I've got friends like you. I have a million wonderful resources in my life. I'm truly blessed in that matter. But the thing that no one will ever be able to take from me is why didn't I advocate more for myself? It comes back to that place for women everywhere, whether you're pregnant or you have a lump that you're not attending to or you have a relationship that isn't speaking to your best version of yourself or all those things like as women, we don't advocate for ourselves. We don't scream out loud that something is uncomfortable, that something isn't right. We're expected to keep moving forward and keeping it all together. And that's the piece of Sunny's life that will always be the thing that I carry with myself that I didn't, I didn't do well enough as his mom. And I, I know it to be true because I would never allow myself to sit. I don't. I would never and I don't allow myself to sit back as quietly for the best possible life for my two children that are here, for Amelia and Sullivan. Like, I fight hard for everything for them. I give up everything for them. And not that I didn't for him. I fought for him, but I did not give value or importance to part of fighting for him was part fighting for how I felt Mm. you know there were days that I didn't feel great that I was sick all the time my blood pressure naturally is very very low and I lost Sonny potentially to undiagnosed preeclampsia because I went into placental abruption which caused all this different you know DIC which is when none of the coagulant factors in your blood work but if I would have caught the preeclampsia because I was at 123 over 85 when I'm naturally at 100 over 60, that was preeclampsic. And I wasn't feeling well all the time, all the time. Like women don't feel great pregnant, but they have moments. Mm-hmm. They do okay. I was sick all the time. Mm-hmm. I was tired all the time. I lost weight. I gained, like it was not normal. Mm-hmm. And I know that to be true because I had. Four other pregnancies, two of which I lost early, two of which made it, that were crazy high risk. But I didn't know what I didn't know, and I was focused on him and not on me. And when you're pregnant, part of being focused on your child is being focused on how you feel. Like, what a lesson to learn when pregnant that you have to put your oxygen mask on first, that you can't properly care for your children and your family and your loved ones if you're not caring for yourself first. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. And that's not why he's not here by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think that. But I do think I wish I would have not been afraid. I wish I would have realized that advocating for my best health was advocating for his best health. Mm -hmm. I really wish I would have learned that lesson beforehand. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So talk to me now about, because you... 
going through all those experiences really made you so passionate about, you know, about fighting for women and for them to be able to advocate for themselves. And you really have become, in a sense, you know, someone who is like dedicating, you know, you're you're trying to create this whole community based around women getting the care they need. And you have become a doula. Yeah. Okay, and here's where I, my sister used a, du, a doula, a okay. postpartum doula. Um, back in the day, she's, I feel like, she, I always feel like she's worlds ahead of her time she's in everything she does. She really is. You know, I, I did it. I used a baby nurse, um, which was great, and I was super lucky. And there's lucky. a place for them. They're very different, but there's definitely a place right. for them. And I don't think I really understood what a doula does. And I think a lot of people out there don't. No like, one has a, They think if they know about it, they think about it in the birthing process. Or they think about it as like it's such a luxury. Yeah. Or it's wicked crunchy and people with arm hair down to their elbows have one. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. one or the other. So so not that there's anything wrong with having arm hair down to your elbows. Listen, I'm all for the movement, Me too. man. Yeah. Hundred oh, percent. For the love of God. I think I want to get on board. So um yeah, so I just I don't know. I sort of like I want to have a better sense of of what a doula is because we are the whole reason why Adam and I wanted to do this, you know, this whole series. Um, and he's unfortunately not here to do this episode today, but he was there for some of the other ones. And the whole reason is because we want women to understand that we should be advocating for ourselves and we deserve this help and we deserve the support and we deserve the, this, you know, strong foundation to know what to do, you know, and who to turn to if we're not feeling well or to be able to say to our employers or our family or our partner or whomever, like, I, I, this shit is fucking hard. Yeah. We deserve the space to know what we don't fucking know. Right. Instead, we're expected to fucking know it all. Or to walk around like we're fine when we're not. If you have a uterus, you should know how to be pregnant and then care for a child. Right. Like, basically. It's the biggest amount of bullshit. It's so infuriating. So, yeah. So, what is a doula? So, there are antipartum doulas. That's a doula who is is with you when you're pregnant. More often than not, women who experience fertility issues or have miscarriage or loss have one of those and know about it. But any old person should be able to have an antipartum doula because you are, in fact, an alien condominium and you need an extra set of hands sometimes. Antipartum doulas will attend doctor's appointments with you. They'll take notes. They'll do different things. They'll help you set up your nursery. They'll help you fill your freezer. You know, they'll do a million different things. They'll just be your, you know, place to dump your emotional bucket and, like, give you the name of a really good baby, you know, maternity masseuse. That's mm -hmm. an antipartum doula. A birthing doula is exactly that. There's someone who is with you along with your doctors or your midwives, whatever you choose, who is there to be your mouthpiece when you can't because let's be real, giving birth ain't no joke. Mm -hmm. And you just want the thing out. You're not thinking about all the other things. So you can make a birth plan with them. Sometimes a birth plan is just get human out. Sometimes it's much more intimate. Sometimes it's how long you want to wait to cut the cut cord, whether or not you want a C-section, how long you want to labor. If you want to be at home, it's a million different things. That's not really my jam. I do attend births, but it's more as an emotional support animal. Mm -hmm. um, but I had three C-sections and I never went into active labor. So God bless all of the humans that do that. Because it does not look fun. Yeah, I 100% could have used that support because with all of my uh, kids, especially with with my with my uh, birth with Mia, there were so, there were so many things that we've sp spoken about in other episodes. I did not like. For instance, they never gave me the epidural because they I wasn't dilated. You had her naturally. I, well, n first of all, not on purpose, but I didn't ever naturally. I ended up having a C-section. Okay. I wanted all the drugs. Yeah, you do. I did. I wanted. I mean, God bless those who don't. A hundred. My, my personal journey. I'm with you. Was I wanted all the drugs. I'm with you. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, and I kept saying, they kept telling me that I wasn't, you know, far left along. I, and I kept saying, I am telling you, I am in like, I, I can feel. And let's be clear to women out there. You are far enough along and you generally are not ever too far. Like oh. you can get an epidural like 
really far in. Okay, which is why I needed a, a doula or somebody there. Like I can't I speak to because I don't know the exact measurements because I'm not yeah. a birthing doula, but I've been in a birth and I know that like you have to be really effaced and right. really dilated. Like you can get it really far in. Well, I wound up bringing my sister in because, you know, she's my all things. <laughs> and so she came in because I was like, if anybody's going to advocate for me, it's her. Yeah. You know, but even she's like not a professional. She doesn't know what's going on and she never had a C-section. And, you know, she, so I, you know, I wound up not getting an epidural. It was a terrible experience. Oh and because there's trauma I that goes along with that, that you carry for forever. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I And that needs that. to be acknowledged like in yeah. a big, big, big way. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like had I had someone like that, as much as I love my sister and she's fantastic, I would, you know, it would have been really awesome to have somebody in there, life-changing almost, to have somebody well, in there. Well, and also how hard for your sister in that moment as someone who isn't trained and doesn't know the science behind it and is also watching her favorite person, I think it's fair to assume, go through pain and trauma. Like, right. it's hard. You need an outside set of eyes to be able to care for you and advocate for you and be somewhat detached a mm -hmm. little bit to not say oh my god my favorite person on the planet is in so much pain right yeah right so what do you say to people who say you know i listen i know that that things are expensive especially when it comes to babies and everything like that and so some people you know i think people do look at it as a luxury yeah. but in a sense you know, we deserve, I've seen, you know, I saw a quote recently that said, we deserve as much care and concern as the babies do. A thousand percent. I mean, think about it. When you get your wisdom teeth removed, you generally get the next day and a half off because your teeth have to be removed. You're getting a human removed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's insane. Mm -hmm. You know, your, or your blood volume has tripled. Your organs have moved. Your pelvis and vagina have opened you know, and then if you've had a C-section, FYI, medically speaking, that is a, a, a major surgery. It's considered a major surgery. Yeah. Your three layers of your life have of your body have been cut. Your you know your skin, your muscles, your uterus. It's it's crazy mm -hmm. what's gone on. And like, here's a here's a human that needs you twenty four hours a day. You know, try to take it easy and don't lift up anything bigger than a gla a gallon of milk. Good luck with that. Yeah. Or walk up any stairs. Or walk up any stairs. Or drive a car. Right. By the way. Mm -hmm. But keep a human alive. Mm -hmm. Good luck. So that's sort of where a postpartum doula comes in. That's where that's what we do. We are different than a baby nurse. A baby nurse comes in and takes care of the baby. They feed the baby if the baby is being bottle fed, whether it's breast or formula. They, you know, care for the baby and they clean the baby's clothes. Generally. And sometimes there are baby nurses that do like have a relation, obviously have a relationship with the family or whatever. But a doula is full family support, functional, physiological, and emotional. And it's for everybody. We talk to partners about how this is going. We watch the dynamic between the birthing partner and the support partner and say like, hey, you're missing the boat. You need to go you know, fill their water. You need to take the baby from them. They're falling apart. Remind them to sit down. Like all of that kind of stuff. And then we're there for the birthing partner. For everything. Infant skills in terms of caring for them, how to bathe them, how to care for the belly button. If you've had a circumcision, how to care for the circumcision. Honestly, how to clean out parts. A vagina has many folds. A penis needs to be pulled back whether or not it's circumcised or not. Gook gets in there and it's gross. It's unpleasant. Babies are gross. <laughs> they spit up. They poop. There's things going everywhere. They're screaming. It's gross. So we do all of those infant care skills. Um, I'm also a lactation consultant, so I'll go deeper into how to feed and feeding skills. But most doulas know about, you know, feeding skills, a schedule, when to wake, when to not, how to help with a little bit of things. And then we are also a place where you can – Sometimes my sessions look like taking a baby from a parent's arms and sitting down with that parent, more often than not, the primary caregiver parent, and letting them just dump their emotional bucket. There are definitely times where I say, like, a parent starts crying, and then they a mom starts crying, and then they start apologizing, and I go, oh, oh no, no, no. 
I'll take the baby. Here's a box of tissues. Like, you need to let that shit out. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because we're trying to recover, whether you've had a C-section or a vaginal birth, we're trying to physically recover from that. And you can't do it in a healthy way when you're stressed. And you're already stressed because now you have a 24-hour need machine that needs that wants something from you. So mm-hmm. you can't carry the weight. Carrying the weight of all the things you're feeling compresses the body, which doesn't allow you to breathe and heal and do and let yourself relax in the moments that you can. It's really difficult. So a postpartum doula does that, comes in and and gives a minute for all of that. Says like, this is what I see, and let's like sift through that together. Let's figure this out together, and it, and it's okay. Right. It's okay. I think also people worry about, um, for me, for instance, you know, I had like an experience where I tell this story a lot, how I had decided I wasn't going to breastfeed, you know, for the time that I was pregnant with my daughter in the middle of my pregnancy when, when I was having a really, really hard time. And I realized, you know, that I was going to be pretty fragile, you know, and I was definitely a very high risk case for postpartum, wound up having postpartum and everything. And I just, for me, um, you know, I was surrounded by people who had who had breastfed. I, yeah. I, you know, my sisters, my, you know, my cousins, my everybody around me had breastfed. So I really didn't know anybody who hadn't breastfed. But I remember thinking to myself, I think this is something I need to do. Yeah. When I was at the hospital, at three different times during my four days because I had a C-section, nurses came in trying to convince me and I was like here I have one thing fucking figured out yeah I am a mom I have I there are a gazillion things I have not figured out yet here is the one thing I've decided and you guys are trying to change and most of my nurses and everything were fantastic so I am not heroes all of them but, yeah, but this you was, can be mad at heroes every now and again. <laughs> well, well, also, I think it was just that this was the practice. Well, you know? it is the practice. It is yeah. the practice. So, and, and for me, that was sort of like... It doesn't make it right. Right. I was just sort of like, you know, for me at that moment, I was sort of like, can you just, just let me, just, just let me do what I know I need to do for my child to be the best mom I can be. But at the same time, like, is that saying, does a doula try to, you know, does, does she... Have she's supposed to like have opinions about whether or not you should be breastfeeding or whether you know you should maintain being on SSRIs or all of those things that so many of us are like, all right, these are really hard decisions to make, but I also sort of want to make them on my own and I don't want anybody telling me something that I don't, you know, want to do. Doulas are like anything else, you know, whether you're getting a mental health professional or you're choosing a partner or whatever it is, we all we're humans and we have very different personalities. And some work more for one family than they do for another. You may be someone who is all you want to do is breastfeed. And that's like your number one charge. And you find a doula that is a a postpartum doula and a certified lactation consultant. And their charge is breast is best. End of story. And then you have other doulas. I mean, I kind of think like I sort of fall into this category. My and. When you're going through this process, it's really important that you interview a bunch of people. You find, even if your, even if your um, beliefs are the same, your personalities may not match. And I'm chatty, and I'm all these different things, and we may have the same values, but I may not be your jam. You might want chill doula, who's whatever. Um, and I am always pushing, like, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's your emotion? Let's get like that. May not be where you want to be, so. There are certainly doulas who are breast milk feeding forward. Then there are my thinking when it comes to being a doula is everybody to me, we're all the ugliest inside of our own walls, right? Like we all pick our nose and fight with our family and fart and take our bras off and watch trash, you know, TV and do all of our ugly things that no one wants to see inside of our walls. But there's a really specific rhythm to that that feels safe and okay. And my elevator elevator speech is as a doula and a lactation consultant, I come in and I want you to explain the rhythm of your family and I do what I can to bring this little human into the rhythm of your life. Oh my God, I love that. Rather than you adjust your rhythm to bring this human in. And that looks a lot of different ways. And I am passionate and get charged up in making sure that that's 
what I'm doing. You did give birth to a little 24-hour need machine, but your life already surrounds them enough. You shouldn't give up your personality and what feels right for them. They're Little people are, you know, they're Play-Doh. They can fit your world, you know, and you can shape them. And as long as you are making healthy decisions, like the pers- that little person is safe, they should find the rhythm of your house because it's there's magic in all of that. It's what makes you and your family you. We're all different. We're all special. We all have our own quirks and humor and sadness that we bring to the world. And that little person should join that. They're, that's right. Like that's what a family is. Totally. You shouldn't readjust what your family should look like for this little person. You're bringing them into something that you already love and they should join it. Oh and my God. I love that. And that's so something that I, was net like I never thought of yeah right like you're supposed to I mean obviously you ha- there are certain changes you have to make but of course for real that is that makes so much sense I mean more me. often than not your partner and you fell in love you decided to make a union and then out of this union and love you want to bring a person into it why would you change what that looks like because they're there you want to bring them into it mm. and it's my belief that as your fourth trimester support system, I should recognize that and help you see how you're going to introduce the love of your family, whether it be with just your partner or other children or what fur babies or whatever it is, into this, what I hope is a place of love. I love that. I love that. And I, you know, and knowing you and everything, you really, that is you. And I think that that is (laughs) awesome. And it makes so much sense. And even like just, you know, I, I feel like you're offering support on so many different levels and your Instagram and everything like that. Um, and so I just want people to find you because you are such like a, a pillar of support. So please tell everybody where they can find you, follow you and, you know, get the support from you that you offer on your platform. Oh, my God. Thank you. So I'm Nourished Families. I'm at nourishedfamilies.org. And you can end Nourished Families on Facebook, which I'm frankly not as good about keeping up with. And then I'm at Nourished Fam on Instagram. And you can follow all the good, bad, and ugly that's on there because there are days where I'll give you tons of information and I'm super on on point and then there's days where like I'm killing the strawberry plant in my backyard (laughs) (laughs) I know you're good at the reels I need you to teach me how to do that because I I I can't I can't seem to catch on to the video component but you're so good at it but thank you so so much and thank you for sharing your story and I know that there are so many women out there it's going to help and that just continuing that you know that we need to talk about it and keep the conversation flowing don't stop the flow of the conversation if you hear it from someone one hopefully it will give you the permission and the allowance to go and tell your story and let's just keep that going I love it Danielle it's so real and if people need a place to put their story because they're scared like DM me and talk into your phone and like let me know your person like let's give them names in a space and yeah like it's okay 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 great that's awesome um all right so go follow liz at nourished families thank you and thank so you much so for much oh my god it's, it's so fun it's so fun i love it and i love that we can talk about this and like just talk about it like it's a conversation you a know thousand percent in regular conversation style yeah. um okay so thank you and thank everyone you. out there uh go and visit liz visit us at marriage and martinis on instagram go get our ebook on uh, marriageandmartinis.com slash dnq and go rate and review on itunes Apple podcast. Now Adam would be so mad at me if he heard me say that. (laughs) (laughs) Bye everyone. Bye.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.